Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Good afternoon. Welcome to Talk 1370's Ask the Experts, the show that's all about your health, your life, your home, and so much more with our rotating cast of experts. Don't forget you can catch up with past episodes anytime at talk1370.com slash experts. You can also catch up with those past episodes on the radio.com app, favorite Talk 1370, and click on Ask the Experts right there. And if you have a question for any of our experts, don't forget you can email us, asktheexperts at talk1370.com. Joining us today, brand new to Ask the Experts, we're going to tackle the topic of personal injury law. Joining us today is attorney Ali Akhtar, the Akhtar Law Firm. Ali, welcome to uh, Ask the Experts. Thanks very much. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your firm, um, and kind of what brings you to Austin. Uh, My name is Ali Akhtar, and I've been a licensed attorney in the Austin area since November of 2000. Uh, So I've been practicing 19 years, but I started my own firm, the Akhtar Law Firm, about five and a half years ago, uh, April of 2014. Uh, I really wanted to focus on doing what I love best, which is helping individuals and uh, making my own decisions about the cases I take and focusing on the practice the way I want to do it. I have worked for a number of other firms, both large and small, over that past 19 years. So uh, I'm very happy to be doing it on my own now. Today's topic, we're going to talk about personal injury law. Why should somebody need a personal injury lawyer, or more importantly, can they just deal with it themselves, deal with the insurance company and everything that comes with it? That's a great question. Um, I wish it would be the case. I mean, in a perfect world, I wouldn't have to exist, but we don't live in a perfect world. Something that um, consumers out there need to understand is that insurance companies don't exist to do the right thing. Insurance companies are profit-making corporations. They exist to take in as much money as they can in premiums and pay out as little money as they can in claims, and the difference between the two is their profits. So they're looking to maximize that. You have to also understand that here in the state of Texas, insurance companies are especially emboldened. I've really talked with a lot of colleagues, um, friends that I've graduated with from law school that practice in other states, and I can tell you that Texas is probably the toughest state to be an injured plaintiff or an injured worker or any kind of a consumer looking to make a claim. But at the same time, insurance companies have a great PR campaign going on in this state. They've got propaganda that, uh, you know, everybody's getting rich off them. The the poor, poor insurance companies, they're just being bankrupted by all these terrible plaintiffs and, and their lawyers. It's totally false. But it amazes me when a person comes to me for the first meeting and they say, you know, I, I feel so bad about having to hire a lawyer or I'm not the kind of person who would hire a lawyer. It's It's not something they should feel bad about. Insurance companies have plenty of resources at their disposal. They employ hundreds, even thousands of claims adjusters. They have computer programs and models. They have medical review boards, and they sometimes have entire captive law firms at their disposal for defensive claims. So why should somebody feel bad for having somebody on their side, an experienced professional, a representative to fight for them and their interests? So I'm proud to do what I do. Speaking of someone fighting for their interests, talk about a little bit from the consumer aspect. What kind of auto insurance do I need in the state of Texas to properly be covered? What should I get just beyond the basic coverage? 
let's face it, nobody likes having to buy auto insurance. But uh, if you just look at the statistics, uh, according to Texas DPS, there's over 22 million vehicles registered in the state of Texas. And, And imagine how many are not registered, but are maybe visiting from out of state. Imagine the fact that the average weight of your, you know, standard car is well over two tons. And there's a lot of bigger vehicles out there like SUVs and pickups that that weigh a lot more. These are large metal machines going at speeds of 40, 50, sometimes 70 miles an hour. That's a lot of mass and force. So when there's collisions, there's heavy damage. There's damage to property and there's damage to person. So that's why the state mandates that people have to have basic level insurance coverage in order to take care of that kind of property damage and bodily injury that may be caused. So the basic liability coverage that you have to have in the state of Texas, what we call minimum limits policy, is $30,000 per person, $60,000 per accident, and $25,000 of property damage coverage, what we call a 30-60 policy. So what that means is, for whatever kind of injury you cause to a person, you have to have at least up to $30,000 per person of coverage to take care of their medical bills and pain and suffering, and up to $60,000 to take care of all of the claimants that are in an accident as well as up to $25,000 to cover any property damage that you do uh, by causing an accident. So now a lot of people think, okay, if I just buy liability only, and I just buy the minimum limits that Texas requires, I'm saving money, right? That's where they run into trouble. Um, I've written articles, uh, and I've posted them on my website, and I really, really hope that people read them, because you have to understand that if you only carry minimum limits coverage, you're not even protecting yourself. And let's just start with your automobile. If you don't have comprehensive or collision coverage, for your own vehicle, and it's a newer car or a luxury car, there's a lot of those out there, you have no protection if somebody hits you and they don't have coverage. There's a lot of uninsured people driving out there. Or if it's, you know, God forbid, you get into your own accident. You just, you hit a patch of water and you end up, you know, crashing into a telephone pole. If you don't have comprehensive or collision coverage, you're out of luck. You've got to pay your own money to fix your own vehicle. But even more important than that, there are things called uninsured, underinsured motorist coverage that you should purchase on your own policy. The reason that's important is because you can't trust the person who hits you to be carrying either any coverage at all or the sufficient level of coverage if they, you know, hurt you very badly. So uninsured, underinsured motorist coverage exists so that you can get additional coverage from your own insurance company if the other person's minimum liability limits or no insurance coverage uh, exists to compensate you for your medicals and your pain and suffering and your lost wages. And there are also other kinds of coverage out there too like personal injury protection, what we call PIP or PIP. That's a no-fault form of coverage that can compensate your out-of-pocket medical bills and lost wages no matter who's at fault for the accident. So that's a very valuable form of coverage to have. Even if you have health insurance, for example, PIP coverage can really help cover your deductibles and co-pays and your out-of-pocket balances for some of those medical bills. So just to give you an example, the coverage that I have for my own family's vehicles is 100-300, which is up to 100,000 per person for liability and for uninsured, underinsured, up to $300,000 per accident, and up to $50,000 of property damage coverage with 2,500 of PIP for all occupants in the vehicle. So that's a good guideline for for people to use if they want to protect themselves and their loved ones. We're visiting with attorney Ali Akhtar, the Akhtar law firm. Uh, Ali's been practicing for nearly 20 years His own firm has been in operation for five and a half years. He's here to be your advocate if you find yourself in a situation where you've been injured either in a car accident or maybe in a store or restaurant or some other commercial environment. 
Call Ali to schedule a consultation, 512-879-1935, or on the web. Ali mentioned the articles he's written. You can review those on his website. That's aktarlaw.com. That's A-K-H-T-A-R law.com. Ali, let's get into some of the personal injury situations that people might find themselves in. Let's stay with the automobile topic. Let's say I end up getting hit in a car crash. What's the first thing I do? Okay, so let's say you're hit, and thankfully you haven't suffered an incapacitating injury. One of the first things you need to do is call the police. Uh, You need to go ahead and have them come out so they can take a report of the accident, uh, because that's an important record to indicate exactly what happened and to record the police that have investigated and interviewed the two people who were involved, or sometimes more than two people who were involved, and who take statements from witnesses at the scene in order to decide what were the causing or contributing factors to the accident. If there are any witnesses, like other motorists or bystanders who come up to render aid, ask them to stay, if they will, and give their contact information and and give their uh, account to the police of of what happened. Uh, If the other driver doesn't willingly give you their insurance information, then another reason to have the police there is that the police will get it from them and provide that to you. Take photos. Uh, of the damage and other aspects of the crash scene uh, that are in front of you. That's, that's key evidence that could be used later to make your claim. And if you're in pain, get checked out as soon as possible. Don't be a tough guy. There's a lot of folks that think, well, you know, I'll, I'll just go home. I'll take some Tylenol. I'll sleep it off. Maybe it'll be better in the morning. Well, the problem with that is you don't know uh, what kind of injuries you may have. And if you have resources out there, use them. If you have health insurance, go use it. At least go to your primary care doctor, if not the emergency room. But if it hurts bad enough, go to the emergency room and get thoroughly checked out. There's no reason to try and ignore the pain. Pain is what tells your body that something's wrong. And I guess there's some importance, too, there of also, much like getting the police report for the accident, getting that medical record to begin that documentation trail if, in fact, it ends up that you have a case against the other party that hits you. Correct. Correct. I mean, there's a lot of important things that will be written down. There's radiology like x-rays and CT scans that can be done at the hospital. So that kind of documentation needs to be started as soon as possible. If you do decide to call in the claim to the other driver's insurance company, they may want to take a recorded statement from you. That's fine if you just give them the basics about how the accident happened, but you're not obligated to answer questions about a bunch of other details. They may want to start asking you about your past medical history. They may want to start asking you questions about your past accident history. You're not obligated to answer any of that. All you have to do is just tell them, uh, this is how the accident happened. This is what your insured driver did. If they ask you too many other questions, you can just say, well, I'd like to consult with a lawyer first. And then after that, schedule a consult with a personal injury lawyer. It's free. There's no obligation. There's certainly uh, no obligation if you decide to have a consult with me and I think with most other colleagues of mine as well. And that lawyer will really look at the case carefully and help you decide whether or not you really need him. If, if it's a small case and something that you'll be able to wrap up and it's mostly property damage and you just don't think you're going to need more than maybe one medical visit, I'll tell you that. I'll, I'll be upfront and I'll let you know that it's probably not worth either of our time for me to handle that. But if it's something more serious with some more ongoing injuries, yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll take that case for you because you're going to need the help. We're visiting with Ali Akhtar, the Akhtar Law Firm, 512-879-1935. If you find yourself in a situation where you've been involved in an automobile accident, maybe you're, you've slipped and fell in a store or a restaurant or some other kind of commercial environment, or some kind of case where you need a personal injury attorney or Maybe you don't know that you need a personal injury attorney. Schedule that consultation today. As Ali mentioned, it's free, no obligation. 
512-879-1935, on the web at actarlaw.com. That's A-K-H-T-A-R law.com. We'll step aside for a couple of minutes here on Ask the Experts. And when we come back, we'll continue on the topic of personal injury law with our guest, Ali Akhtar, the Akhtar Law Firm, right here on Ask the Experts on Talk 1370. We're back with more after this. The news cycle changes often. Turn us on throughout the day to keep up. They keep me connected. You're on Austin's Talk 1370, the right choice. Welcome back to Talk 1370's Ask the Experts. Our topic today, personal injury law. We're visiting with attorney Ali Akhtar, the Akhtar Law Firm, on the web at akhtarlaw.com. That's A-K-H-T-A-R law.com. A lot of uh, compelling articles up there on different topics dealing with personal injury law. Schedule a consultation today if you find yourself in a situation where you've been injured either in a car accident, maybe in a commercial environment, a store or a restaurant, 512-879-1935, or again, on the web at Law, A-K-H-T-A-R law.com. Ali, before the break, we were talking a fair bit about personal injury law relating to automobile accidents. Let's shift gears a little bit and talk about things that happen in a, in a commercial environment slipping and falling in a store or a restaurant. What are the situations in which I might be able to sue the proprietor of that establishment if I slip and fall? It's a common misconception that if you slip and fall inside a store or a restaurant, well, then automatically that uh, store or restaurant owner becomes liable um, for your injuries. The reality is for every 10 potential slip and fall clients that may come through my office door, I may be able to take on average maybe one or two of them. These are what are called premises liability cases, and these are the basics of having to make a premises liability case in the state of Texas. You have to be able to prove that, number one, there was a dangerous condition on the premises, number two, that the store owner either knew or in the exercise of reasonable diligence should have known of that dangerous condition, and that three, it was that dangerous condition which caused your injuries. So as you can imagine, number one usually isn't much of a problem. I mean, if there is a a big pool of water on a slick floor, that is going to be a dangerous condition. The real key element in these cases is being able to prove that the store owner either had actual knowledge or should have had knowledge in the exercise of reasonable diligence. Let me explain why that's hard to prove in a lot of these cases. Let's say you walk into HEB and the customer that was walking in just maybe two minutes before you happened to spill a bunch of ice from his cup of Coke. It's probably not enough time has passed for HEB, the store owner, to become aware of that dangerous condition. And so if you just happen to have the misfortune of walking there a minute and a half later and you slip and fall on that, it's going to be real difficult to prove that that's a premises liability case against HEB. Those are the kind of cases that I have to turn away. Now, there's a difference if it's a dangerous condition that may have been caused by an employee themselves or if you can prove through witness testimony or camera, video camera evidence that it was a condition that existed on the premises so long that a reasonable store owner with its employees should have been able to detect that dangerous condition and make it safe or clean it up. I I would tell people to consult a lawyer and don't try to make a judgment on your own case. I'm not trying to discourage anybody from pursuing such a case. If the injuries are serious enough, 
uh, to warrant litigation, then these kinds of things can be found uh, in the course of litigation and discovery. You know, we can subpoena video camera footage, we can, we can depose store employees, and we can try to find the evidence necessary to be able to establish that the store owner should have had a chance to uh, clean that up in the exercise of diligence. Let's talk a little bit about the different kinds of damages I can claim. And is there a kind of a statute of limitations or a, a limit on the amount of time that I have to file such a claim? Yeah, yeah. So to take the second uh, question first, generally speaking, the statute of limitations on pursuing a case for injury is two years from the event that caused the injury. So what that means is if you file a claim with the insurance company or directly with the commercial entity, you either have to uh, settle that claim or else file a lawsuit before the two-year anniversary from the date of the event. Otherwise, your claim may be barred permanently under Texas law. Now, there are some exceptions here and there to that two-year rule. For example, if a minor suffers an injury, then the statute of limitations becomes extended until two years after their 18th birthday. Uh, also, there are some cases where you have some latent or undetectable types of disease cases. For example, um, workers that are exposed to asbestos. Well, you know, those kinds of diseases like asbestosis or silicosis or those kinds of conditions, those may not develop until years and years later. So there are exceptions to the two-year statute when it comes to those kinds of cases. You actually have to have a, a, a medical diagnosis of one of those kinds of uh, diseases having developed before you have a, a claim that's ripe for pursuing. But going back to the types of damages you can claim, so the first and most obvious category would be your medical bills, the medical expenses that you've had to incur because of your injury. Now, ever since 2003, the last huge wave of tort reform that was passed in the state of Texas, those medical expenses are now limited to what's called actually paid or incurred. In other words, either something that you've had to pay out of pocket, something that your health insurance company has had to pay, or some balance that's legally due and owing. Those are the categories of damages you can recover. If you have a health insurance policy and they make a contracted or discounted adjustment on your medical bills, those amounts that are written off because of the health insurance's contract with the medical provider are no longer categories of damages that you can recover ever since 2003. Also, you have your lost wages or your lost business income if you're self-employed. If you are employed by somebody else, it's usually pretty easy to prove up your lost wages because you're either salaried on an hourly basis or a monthly basis, and you can get a statement from your employer as to how much time you lost because of your injuries. If you're self-employed, it's a little harder. There are ways to prove it by looking at past tax returns and by looking at uh, business bank deposits and trying to show a drop-off in income from both before to after uh, the accident or the injury. Then there is physical pain and suffering, which is just what it sounds like. It's, it's the physical pain and mental anguish that somebody should be compensated for over and above just the medical bills that they incurred for their injury. This is also the most difficult category to prove. It's, it's very intangible. You know, one person's threshold for pain and suffering may be much higher or lower than somebody else's. And that's also one of the most difficult things to try and explain and help a jury to understand why they should award X or Y or Z number of dollars for somebody's pain and suffering. Then after that, we have what's called physical impairment. Now, this is where somebody actually can't do something that they could do before as a result of their injury. It goes beyond simply saying they can do it with pain. For example, if you have a broken arm and you actually have to be in a sling, you can't type for a certain amount of time until you know that, that fracture heals and you can fully use that left hand again. 
Or uh, similarly, if you are on crutches or in a wheelchair for a certain period of time, you're physically impaired from walking, running, doing the kinds of activities that you're used to doing. That's a separate category of damages you can claim for beyond pain and suffering. There's also what's called physical disfigurement. This is where you get all kinds of bad discoloration of bruising. This is where you get um, scars from having undergone surgery. These kinds of things which mar somebody's appearance, uh, that's a separate category of damages called physical disfigurement that they can claim for. There's also an old category of damages in Texas called loss of consortium. If uh, one spouse is badly injured and can no longer, you know, provide services in the household or no, no longer can be intimate with their spouse because of pain, that's a separate claim that the other spouse may have and a separate category of damages that they should be able to pursue. And then for more serious cases, for example, I, I've worked on some brain injury cases before, there may be a whole category of damages called a life care plan where you have to look at not only their past, but also their future medical expenses, their annual primary care doctor's visits, their semi-annual neurologist visits, modifications that may have to be made to their home or their car uh, because of you know, what they've undergone or how they've been impaired. These are categories of damages that can be proved up by experts and, and can absolutely be pursued in cases like this. As we're talking about, you can see there's definitely a lot of dynamics to every case. And that's why it's important that if you find yourself in a situation where maybe you've been involved in an auto accident or someone was in a commercial environment, was negligent, and you were injured. It's important to schedule a consultation. Talk about your case with someone who knows the law and can help you figure out if there is an opportunity for you to recover damages. Ali Akhtar is our guest today, the Akhtar Law Firm. Schedule a consultation today to talk about your case, 512-879-1935, on the web at actarlaw.com. That's A-K-H-T-A-R law.com. Ali, in just the couple of minutes we've got left, let's talk a little bit about scheduling that consultation and kind of that process. What should I expect? What should I look for? And more importantly, what should I, how should I prepare for that first consultation with a, a personal injury lawyer? Well, to prepare for it, bring as much documentation as you can. If, if you have the police report, the case number, if you have photographs of the damage, bring all of that stuff. Bring any medical bills or prescription receipts you have. The more information you can bring, the easier it is for the lawyer to go ahead and build your file at the very start. So here's my advice for, for people when they're kind of shopping and deciding how to talk to and who to hire when it comes to a personal injury case. I would say, first of all, to beware of any kind of firms that do a lot of mass marketing on TV and billboards and things like that. It, it really takes a massive ad budget to do that kind of advertising. So a, a firm like that is looking to recoup that budget. How? Well, they're either looking for the very big prize cases or they're looking for a huge volume of small cases that they can turn over quickly in order to kind of keep that cash flow going. So the first question you should be asking is, are you even meeting with that lawyer who's doing the advertising? If you're not, and you're meeting with a junior attorney, or you're, even worse, you're meeting with a paralegal or what they call a case manager, that's your first red flag. That should kind of tell you how it is that you're probably going to be treated by a firm like that. The second thing you should look out for is, is that lawyer really asking you all the questions that he or she can and really listening and taking notes? You have to understand that that first interview is probably the most valuable interview that the lawyer can do because that's when your recollection of the events is going to be most fresh. If that lawyer is spending more time talking about themselves and how they're going to handle the case as opposed to asking you all the details about what happened in that case and all the sequence of events and things that happened, they're really losing out on valuable facts that are going to be important later whether the case settles or whether the case has to go to litigation. If that lawyer is trying to tell you right away which kind of doctor to go to or what to say, that's another red flag. I mean, every case is different, and 
beware the lawyer that wants to handle it with a cookie-cutter approach. Your case has unique facts, details, and circumstances. You may have a contributory medical history that the, that the attorney needs to know about. So if the attorney is really asking those questions and finding out as much as he can, that's a good attorney. As you can tell from hearing Ali talk about some of these things that you should look for when you're searching, in, if you find yourself in a search for a personal injury attorney, it's important to make sure that someone is going to take your case on with the right level of interest and the right level of gusto to make sure that your rights are protected and whatever damages you might be entitled to that you receive. Schedule a consultation with Ali Akhtar, our guest today, 512-879-1935, on the web at akhtarlaw.com. That's A-K-H-T-A-R-L-A-W.com. Ali, that's all the time we've got today. Thanks so much. We'll have you back again on, uh, I guess, our next episode. We'll talk about business law. Thanks very much. I enjoyed being here. And again, if you've got a question for Ali or any of our experts, you can email us, asktheexperts at talk1370.com, and we'll have those on a future episode of Ask the Experts. You've been listening to Ask the Experts on Talk 1370. We'll see you next time. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. T Mobile.com.